Again, it's great to see everybody this morning. It's good to, to be here. It's a beautiful morning, and, and we celebrate, um, in October, we celebrate Children's Sabbath. And uh, this morning, my message is going to be geared to how important it is in teaching and raising great leaders, great Christian leaders. It's our responsibility uh, to do so. I know looking back at your life as well as looking back at my life, I can remember some great teachers in my life. Uh, both Sunday, I can tell you all my Sunday school teachers. I can tell you right now, one Mary Morgan, who's my grandmother, and then, then, then Shirley Anderson, who's one of the sweetest people I ever knew, um, Carolyn Burns, who probably knows the Bible as well as anybody I know, and then my parents were my youth uh, leaders for a while, and then Joanne Weir was, so it's just, Unbelievable through my childhood. I can remember specific lessons. Um, and they had different teaching styles. I think I've told you this before. My grandmother and Shirley were just meek and sweet, but very strong ladies. And then Carolyn Burns, again, she knew the Bible as well as anybody I've ever met. And she had a little different approach um, as far as getting it through to us. Uh, but she did. I still remember many of the things that she taught us. And then when I look at school, I remember certain teachers at school, um, Jack Shipe, Mr. Jack Shipe, he's still alive, I see him occasionally, he taught me in the fifth grade, he was my fifth grade teacher, and he was amazing, an amazing Christian man, he read a scripture every morning, he prayed with us, he uh, was a great science teacher, he uh, Contributed to my love of science and, and of history. Um, I remember the summer before my fifth grade year, my brother and I, one good thing I've told you before about having an older brother is you get to do some things when you're young that you wouldn't get to do if you didn't have someone leading you. And most of the time he led me pretty well. Some of the time, well... But I got to go exploring caves and stuff like that when I was pretty young. And we went and explored a cave that's not far from where I grew up. It overlooks, it's on a bluff overlooking the Holston River. It's called Sheep's Cave. And I would get to go into that cave, and it was awesome. We'd just hang out. And then there were these little tunnels that we get to go back through. And people haven't been back there in a long time, I can just tell you. But being the smallest and the youngest, I was the one that always got to go first. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I always got to go and take a light and make sure everything was okay. And, and I'd go through these tunnels. And then uh, this one particular day, I go back farther than we've ever been. And all of a sudden, it opens up again. And you can see where people used to be there. There was like a little table. I mean, it was awesome. And then coming out, coming out of that uh, part of the cave back through the tunnel to the main opening because I'd had enough of being back there. Because if your light goes out there, it is dark, real dark. So, so coming out, it's really, really narrow. And, and I'm, I'm trying to get out. I'm almost doing a swim move just coming through the dirt. I'm on my belly, and I, and, and, and I hit something. I thought, man, this is weird and, and it was too light to be a rock and, and I come out and it was actually a partial um, human skull. Yeah. 
So uh, if you find human remains now, you probably ought to call the police. I didn't, but things were a little bit different then. But I take it to Mr. Scheidt, first day of school. I said, look what we found. And he said, hey, send this to UT. They can tell you all kinds of things about it. And they did. They estimated the age. It was a, it was a, uh, it was a uh, Native American who was an adolescent to, to a youth um, who I don't know if he was in there and he passed away or if they buried him. But it's funny the things you remember. But I don't know if I would still remember that in detail like I do now if Mr. Scheib hadn't taken the time to tell me what it, he thought it was and for me to send it off and get facts about it. And once those facts came back, I don't have the letter anymore from UT, but I remember what it said. That's been a long time ago. That's been, man, almost 50 years ago now. And I still remember that in detail. And again, I want to talk this morning about how we learn, how we teach, and how we apply things, and how we keep things in our memory that, that happen that's important to us. I'm going to start out, I'm going to read Scripture, and I'm just going to read one verse this morning, and then I'm going to refer to several verses as we go. And I'm going to read, actually, Luke 6, 40. A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone is fully qualified. Who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. And this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. And that's just a, a small part of a story that uh, Jesus is telling in, in, in Luke. He goes on, and, and the parable that he's talking about talks about judging others and, and seeing other people's faults. Uh, if you go on and read, that's what it continues to, to do. And we often, as human beings, we do that. It's easier for me to see, looking out here, your faults than it is mine. And sometimes we do that. We judge people. We, we do that. And often we do it with children. Often when children are around, of any age, we, we look at what they're doing bad. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, it's... It's, it's pretty common. We, we notice when they disrupt. We notice when they don't do what they've been taught. But the thing about it is, each child is a precious gift from God that's made in, in God's perfect image. It's God's gift to us. And we're supposed to be an advocate for children. We're supposed to teach them to become more like Christ, as we become more like Christ. And we're supposed to be developing effective Christian leaders. Not just in children, but in each other. I mean, we still should be growing as well. But we should be intentionally discipling kids and other people. We should educate kids and each other to be disciples of Christ. But being a teacher has some duty. It has some responsibility. You see, we're not all called to be teachers. Even though we all should be teaching, we're not all called to be teachers. There's a gift of teaching. There's a gift of teaching. Again, not everyone is a professional teacher or even a Sunday school teacher. But if we're living a Christian life, we're teaching people. If we're not living a Christian life, we're teaching people. People look at our example, especially 
when we profess to be a Christian. People look at our example. The example we should be giving is a sinner who's trying to be more like Christ every day. You see, there's dangers in becoming a teacher. We have stricter judgment. Stricter judgment. Again, people look at us different. But again, even though we're not all called to be Sunday school teachers or professional teachers, we all should teach. Preachers should teach often. We should teach others. All clergy members should teach their flock. It should be inherent for a pastor to teach. Teachers, of course, should teach. Whether you're a Sunday school teacher or, or a teacher by profession or just a teacher informally, you have a great job and you have a gift to teach and you need to be using it. Not just teaching adult classes or teaching, uh, uh, not just teaching um, formally, but also just informally, being that example for everybody, for kids and for everybody. Parents are the number one teachers in the world. Kids learn what their parents teach them. My dad was a teacher, not by profession. Uh, my dad's been. He's been gone 15 years, but I still remember every day things he taught me. My grandmother, the same way. She was a great teacher, not by profession, but she taught me so many things that I remember every day of my life. And she's been gone since 1982. I can't do the math that quick. A long time. My mom's a teacher, not by profession. But we, too, should be teachers. We should be teachers. We should be setting an example. We should be instructing other Christians and non-Christians how they should live. Again, parents, most of the responsibility falls on parents. I could do a whole sermon on when we look at kids and we see the faults in kids right now in our society, it's usually because of their home life. Kids are not growing up with the stability that, that I was used to and that most of you were used to. If you're a parent, a grandparent, you have a responsibility to teach. Fathers, you have an awesome responsibility to train your children and be the leader of your family. Mothers and grandmothers, you need to do the same that Eunice and Lois did for Timothy. Older women should teach younger women to train and admonish each other, how to become wives and mothers. Again, this can be done informally. And what I'm really trying to tell you is we're all teachers. Everyone should teach others concerning hope. When people look into our eyes, they should see the hope of Jesus Christ. That's where we should be directing people, is to the hope of Christ. And we should be able to tell them the reason that we have that hope. We should be able to tell them and show them the reason we have that hope. You see, informally, at least everyone should be able to teach. You see, there's a delight in teaching. A delight in teaching. I get to enjoy that delight often. But you see, fruit is born out of what we do. 
again, professional teachers, but also everybody. Have you not taught somebody something and it's really a difficult task? It may, it may be the simplest tying your shoes. And when somebody gets it, you're like, oh, yes. You feel as successful as they do because you had a part in that. You had a part in that. And even teachers that I know that are really effective, they have different methods. They have different ways to reach people in order to teach them. But I'm telling you, the best way to teach people is by example. People remember what you do more than what you say. Uh, back when I was young, I used to hear, hey, uh, do as I do, not as I, or do as I say, not as I do. You said that's terrible teaching. People remember what you do. I remember what I see more than I remember what I hear. But there was a, a psychologist named William Glasser, and he said this is the way we learn, that we will remember 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we discuss with each other, and then 80% of what we experience personally. And then 95% of what we teach each other. If you can teach something to somebody, that means you know it. Let me step back just a second. Some people actually hear or, listen, or learn pretty well by listening. I actually do. It, when, with spoken word, I, I learn pretty well. I, I could listen to a lecture or a sermon of someone who could deliver it. I could listen to it all day, every day and get things out of it, but everybody don't learn that way. So we need to combine all these things in our teaching. We need to, 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 to read, we need to hear, we need to see, and we need to discuss it amongst each other. That's why fellowship is so important. That's why getting together and discussing what we learn and, and, and discussing um, uh, what we need to know with each other is so important. And then, again, experiencing what we learn personally. In other words, doing. Doing. We have people with different gifts here. And man, some of the things that you all could do, I wish I could do. I really do. We got, we got some gifted craftsmen. We have so many gifted people here. And you can tell me how to do something, and I might be able to listen to it. But when I see you do it, but if you can actually show me and I can actually do it with my own hands. That's the beauty of teaching youth for so long. And I'm not a carpenter, so I, I, don't, I can't build anything. I, I really can't. Um, not very well. I have built things, and most of the things I build are used for something besides what I intended them to, to use for. I, I use them for something, though. But I'll never forget, we, I've worked with some gifted craftsmen who would teach kids how to build things. And then you see the kids building. We built some benches or some tables at, uh, at my home church one night. And, and my home church pastor is a gifted craftsman, and, and he's a great teacher. And I see him teaching these kids. And without anybody even saying anything, the kids who were grasping the idea were turning around and teaching the other kids. Man, that means they've learned it. That means they know it. That's what we should do. Once we get it, we should share that with somebody else. Somebody that's struggling in some way to, to grasp something about life, something about the Christian life. We should be 
absorbing that information. We should be uh, putting that information to work, and we should be showing it to somebody else. You see, because when you're raising leaders, when you're a teacher, and you're raising leaders, you can see that fruit being born. Jesus Christ was the master teacher. He came here for us. He showed us how to love each other. He showed us how to sacrifice. And he didn't do it by telling us. He did it by doing it. He showed us the example through his actions. He showed us how to suffer for each other. He showed us how to teach each other. He showed us how to take care of each other. He showed us where that joy comes from, where our hope comes from, where that love is born. He showed us. He's still showing us. Today, through each other, we can still see that love of Christ, that hope that only comes through Him. Ultimately, He showed us how to sacrifice when He laid His life down for us. When He bore the sin that He didn't commit, He lived the perfect life. And He took our sin to the cross and was nailed to the cross and suffered a painful death so we can live. Christ is a doer. He's a doer. He's a great teacher. He's the master teacher. He's the example of a great teacher that we need to be living and teaching other people to live about, live like. You see, spiritual growth begins by learning. It continues by doing. And it continues even more by teaching. As we grow into spiritual maturity, we should keep showing the grace and love of Jesus Christ to everybody. We're not to be selfish, but we're to serve other people. When we grow by exercising our faith, people see Christ living in us. And as we grow, we've got to remember that we've got to take time for ourselves. We have to be in prayer. We have to meditate. We have to study His Word so we can be ready to teach other people. We've got to stay in fellowship with each other. We've got to stay in fellowship with each other as we worship and as often as we can. You see, as disciples of Christ, we're seeking to become more like Him every day. And as we do that, we're trying to teach other people how to become more like Christ every day. Are we raising great leaders? Are we raising great leaders? Let me remind you, to be an effective teacher, you've got to become a student. You have to learn. And you have to do. And then you have to teach others. Again, when I look at the world today, 
I look at a different world than I saw when I was growing up. I look at more distractions. I look at kids being introduced to things at earlier ages than, than we were. That's what I see. That's what I see. And sometimes when kids get to be physically more mature, sometimes we kind of let up. That's when we really need to be teaching the most. When they start becoming to look like adults is when they really need our guidance and how to live and how to love each other. Those are the examples we need to be. Um, Rhonda tells me all the time uh, that, that I, I make excuses for kids. I really don't. Kids need to be corrected. They need to be corrected, but they need to be loved and taught. And I'll, I'll say, and I'll, I, I, I stick to this till the day I die, that I've never seen a bad kid. Man, I've seen kid, some kids, I've seen some adults make some terrible decisions, but I've never seen a bad one. Because if you look, you look them in the eye, you're looking at a being that's made in the perfect image of our Lord and Savior. When I look in your eyes, I see beings that are made in the perfect image of our Lord and Savior. Again, I don't see bad kids. I see bad decisions. I also see good decisions. I see distractions, though. Man, I see kids who want to do the right thing, and there's so many distractions. Things at, at, at an instance can turn you right now. It could be an ad on the Internet. It could be an ad on television. It could be a text you just received. We need to be teaching kids and each other what's important. And I can tell you what's important is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we can show them that relationship with Jesus Christ and we can give them the hope that only comes through our Lord and Savior, then we can start raising great leaders. Until we do that, we're going to be looking for excuses why things are happening bad. Are we great, raising great leaders? I'm going to leave you with that question. I'm going to leave you with that question and, 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 and one more. If we're not, what can we do better that we're not doing? How can we prepare ourselves? And how can we teach others? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for... Uh, for being here with us, Lord. Thank you for, uh, for your word. Lord, thank you for children of all ages. Lord, I just pray that, uh, that you use us to be your teachers. To show the love and the hope that's found only through a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for this community. Lord, I just pray 
Again, for each person here and each person that may be listening online, Lord, if they don't have that relationship with you, that they uh, they see your love and your grace and your hope. In Jesus' name, amen.